Why choose a Sleep Number smart bed? Because no two people sleep the same. Only the Sleep Number smart bed lets you each choose your individual firmness and comfort your Sleep Number setting. The Climate 360 smart bed is so smart, it actively cools or warms up to 13 degrees on either side for your ideal sleep temperature. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number special edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. To find a store near you, visit sleepnumber.com. I see the misinformation and the misnomers out there about what mindfulness is and what it's not. So mindfulness and the way that I define it is learning to be present with yourself in any given moment with whatever is unfolding for you in a kind and non-judging way. So it's the components of learning to just sort of sink into the moment and it's the tone with which we do that. So it's learning to do that in this really compassionate, gentle, non-judging way. Hello, and welcome to the Parentologist Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Kim. The Parentologist Podcast is a show about everything parenting with a therapeutic twist. I have a doctorate in psychology and am a licensed marriage and family therapist, a registered play therapist, university professor, writer, and mom of two. Each episode of the Parentologist Podcast focuses on a variety of topics related to parenting, family, children, and mental health. I'm glad you're here. On today's episode, we have Leah Katz, who is a clinical psychologist practicing in Portland, Oregon, where she currently works in a group practice specializing in working with teenagers and women with a focus on treating anxiety and depression. Dr. Katz is passionate about girls' and women's mental health and helping women navigate challenges to live deeply connected and fulfilled lives. She frequently writes for psychologytoday.com and is the author of Gutsy Mindfulness Practices for Everyday Bravery, which teaches readers how to take an honest look at what might be holding them back from living their most authentic life and how to apply mindfulness concepts that can help them access new joy and freedom. Dr. Katz, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Of course. You know, I just, um, I know we were talking right before we started recording and I just picked up your book recently and not only do I love the content I've read so far in it, but it's such a therapeutic cover. Like I just like looking at the cover. <laughs> we'll have to maybe share later, you know, how you came up with that uh-huh. and how you cultivated the cover because just looking at it makes me feel calm is that you know have you heard that before have you gotten that feedback just yeah I'm so yes and I'm so glad to hear you say that because that is what I was going for with choosing the cover you know the cover design wanting something that was earthy and grounding but also somehow captured the idea of being brave and centered in yourself so I'm I'm it's cool that you picked up on that. <laughs> I did. I did. And it is. It really encompasses all of that. So I love it. And I can't wait to dig in more because, like I said, I just got it about a week ago and I was on a business trip recently and I was reading it on the plane and I, I was getting hooked really quick. And I know that yeah. you specialize with, you know, teenagers and, you know, uh, women's mental health. And as you know, a woman myself, you know, I think we get so wrapped up in uh, society's expectations and, mm-hmm. you know, certain things that do hold us back, whether we're conscious of it or not. And yep. I can't wait to just dig in more. But before we do, I do want to ask you if you could define mindfulness for us and, and how we maybe you might define mindfulness and how we can incorporate that in our lives. Because I think sometimes when people hear the word mindfulness, mm-hmm. they think they have to sit down in a quiet place with no distractions, mm-hmm. you know, with their legs crossed and, you know, their hands on their knees and do some deep breathing and it can take, yeah. you know, a half hour. And it just seems um, much sometimes for our fast living pace lives. So yeah. you could define it and then maybe give us some practical ways we can start incorporating that in our lives, some basic ways. 
Sure. And I'm so glad that you asked that question as we get started because I agree with you. I see the misinformation and the misnomers out there about what mindfulness is and what it's not. So mindfulness and the way that I define it is learning to be present with yourself in any given moment with whatever is unfolding for you in a kind and non-judging way. So it's the components of learning to just sort of sink into the moment and it's the tone with which we do that. So it's learning to do that in this really compassionate, gentle, non-judging way. And it does not have to be this formal sitting practice. That can be. We can practice formal meditation where we sit or even walk and it's we have a certain chunk of time where we're practicing it, but it doesn't have to be. And I talk about that a lot in my book. And it's something that I practice a lot in my own life where we can bring mindfulness into our day-to-day lives in small, tiny increments. And those small increments can build on on themselves and really shift the way that we live our lives. Um, So you know, you asked before, how can we bring it into our lives? We can bring it into, and I really believe this, literally anything we're doing. You know, So right now you and I are talking and we're recording this together. We can bring some mindfulness into this experience for ourselves right now. You know, So I can just like tap into noticing my feet on the floor, noticing what feelings and emotions are here for me. How is my body feeling right now? And it makes this experience come more alive. Or I can go out in the garden and just notice the smells of the flowers or the sounds that I hear. So we can bring mindfulness, a certain awareness to what's happening for us in any moment, really at any time. I love that. And I think it's I'll speak for myself. I think it's hard for me to do that sometimes mm-hmm. because I think sometimes there's so much I don't want to say pressure, but maybe pressure is the best word in this case mm-hmm. to multitask, to be everything mm-hmm. at once, mm-hmm. uh, especially especially as a woman, as a mom, you know, as, yeah. as, a, as a working mom. I mean, I'm in a hundred places at once. And sometimes it's really hard for me to slow down and yeah. be grounded and pay attention to those things. So any tips for anyone who's listening out there that is like me, who does yeah. feel like it'd be hard to be mindful in the everyday moments and you know is that hard or is it just take practice yeah i i i'm with you there you know being a busy mom who's working and trying to do so many different things and you know dealing with different relationships um i i i i i'm with you too in the same exact boat so i'm sure a lot of us are and i don't think you know i think that this is an important piece of the mindfulness it's it's not striving to bring it into every single moment. It's just it's just ca- the moments that we catch, you know? So we could be out in the garden and busy and not be mindful and our minds are wandering because that's what our minds do. Our minds are so so busy and we're most of the time in our thoughts in the future or the past, but we can have the presence in one moment to say, "Oh, what's here for me right now?" you know, and then just sink into it for that that little pause. I love the word pause because we can just pause for the briefest moment and access the awareness and the mindfulness of what's happening or something that I really like to do as a mom. I have two kids um, and sometimes the days are really hectic and um, people with children probably can resonate. Bedtimes can be really hectic, but when everybody's, once everybody's settled in bed and we're, you know, fresh and fresh jammies and, you know, we're snuggling, bringing just a moment of mindfulness into that moment of like, ah, here we are, you know, like how my body feels more relaxed and just the, the sweetness of that moment. So it's not all the moments. It's just when we remember learning to pause and sink in. I like that. Okay. And that, that alleviates a lot of pressure, right? From all the things all the time. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Society does. Society, I think society does directly and indirectly, uh, Mm -hmm. give us that sort of pressure. And, Mm -hmm. you know, which leads me into my next question about, you know, how as women, as moms, how do we start getting unstuck from society's unrealistic and and harmful, possibly harmful expectations, uh, Mm -hmm. especially when we're expected to do 
you know, all the things, you know, I feel like there's just so much competition out there. There's so Mm -hmm. much uh, comparison out there on who has, who has the best birthday party or, you know, who looks most put together at school pickup. And there's just so much out there. How do we Mm -hmm. not get stuck in that trap? Yeah. And it's such a relevant question for so, so many of us. And I think the first step in dealing with that is creating the awareness around how we're being impacted. Because, and this is something I see in my in my clinical practice and in my own life too, it's so easy when we're so busy and overwhelmed to get stuck in this autopilot of the expectations, you know, that we put on ourselves, that society puts on us. And we just, we just take it for granted that this is the way life needs to be and this is what we're going to do. And we don't pause and reflect and really own the fact that things can be different. So the self-awareness, and maybe if you're listening to this right now or after you're listening to this, pause and think, how am I being impacted by expectations that are working against me, that are not healthy, that are not fair? What is it, you know, it, whether it's the hustle culture or we always have to be busy or our kids, you know, like what you're saying before about the birthday parties and comparisons, or I mean, something I work with a lot in my clinical work, working with teenage girls and women, body image, you know, the, the expectations of what we're supposed to look like and, right. you know, how am, how am I being impacted? And what can I do? You know, what now that I have that awareness, what can I do about it? What can I let go of? How can I meet myself more kindly and more compassionately and have patience with myself around? You know, what can I set down? Right. And I think that's hard because I think when I think of that, for me, (laughs) I feel it's overwhelming to think, where do Mm -hmm. I start? So where would you suggest would be the first step into changing our mindset in order to change our lives? Like what would be, I mean, should we sit down with a pen and paper and really prioritize like what are our values? Where do we want yeah. to go? Right now we're on autopilot. We're we're not happy. We need to make a change. And we know we need to make a change, mm-hmm. whether it's mentally, mm-hmm. physically, et cetera. But what, what is the first step in actually cultivating that change? Yeah, I think spending quiet time alone you know, and it doesn't have to be a lot of time. So not to make this another pressure and another thing to feel overwhelmed about, like right now I need to go for a walk by myself, (laughs) but you know, just finding some time because we can find it. You know, if we prioritize it, we can find it to be alone and reflect. And I like what you said about putting pen to paper, writing. Journaling is an excellent way to reflect and just pause and get more clear on how how we're living our life, how we're feeling, how things are impacting us, and then helping um, us plan our next steps. So whether it's, taking a few moments to journal and figure out what's going on in my life and how am I being impacted or going for a walk and just clearing your head and seeing what comes up for you because right. that can be really helpful too you know like just getting a distance from the hustle and bustle of our lives from the you know the people around us and the responsibilities around us and just taking that time can be really powerful and lead to insight and awareness and that's actually why I love mindfulness so much because I really do believe it can cultivate so much insight and awareness that can then help us take brave action or or change things um actually just on like a very practical exercise to try if you're wondering like well how am I being impacted and what are my values um you, right. you can try making a list of your like day-to-day activities you know take a sample day what does your day typically look like? You know, and you can get like pretty detailed about this. So I wake up, let's say I check my phone, I get my kids up, I prepare breakfast, and then you know, you go through a sample day, and then next to each activity, you can write in N, does this activity nurture me and nourish me, fill me up? Or D, does this activity drain me and diminish my energy? And then it's sort of taking an inventory of how am I spending my time, how is it impacting me? And what can I tweak? You know, so something's clear we can't tweak. Some things are just going to be draining, and that's just part of it. But can I find more of a balance for myself? Oh, I love that. 
I am going to start doing that. That is such a great hands-on. I'm a very practical person because, you know, even when I was in school, you know, we'd hear things from our professors, a very like Mm -hmm. theoretical, but it didn't really work in practice in everyday life. Okay. How can I actually apply that theory to, to my life? And that is, you, you mentioned such a gem of something very practical Mm -hmm. and, and simple that we can do that everyone can do. And, uh, and I was just going to say that, you know, to, to almost, um, I would say critique is not the right word, but to look at, to evaluate what yeah. our day is and what is beneficial and what, what do we like about our day? What do we not mm-hmm. like? What can we feel like we can change or mm-hmm. not? And it's, it's right there. I mean, it's, it's right there, you know, like I said, on, on pen and paper and exactly. I, I think yeah. it's having that visual. Cause I think when we go through our day, when you, when someone asks you then today, what did you do today? And our kids are like this, right? They say, I don't know, nothing. It's fine. You know, <laughs> what did you do in school? I don't remember. Right. And I think, like you said, we get into that autopilot. Yeah. And I think sometimes if, if someone were to ask me what I did today, I think, well, I worked or right. I picked up the right. kids or I, I don't think about the little nuances that I do throughout the day that could be more draining that I could actually change um, mm-hmm. that I have control over. Because I think sometimes we might also feel like we're our lives are we're not in control of our own lives. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that we can't change it. And that's what I love about your book about, you know, being able to, to change if we're not happy with yeah. something and identifying what that, what that looks like. So, yeah, my, yeah. My, you know, <clears throat> um, so my next question to you is, you know, what can we identify? How do we identify what's holding us back and how do we shift our mindset to lead a more fulfilling life with contentment and even joy? How do we identify it? And then how do we go about changing it? You know, I think actually it's a good question as a springboard for what we were just talking about, because I, I I think it all really starts with self-awareness, you know? So if we're on autopilot and we're so busy and we're overwhelmed and frazzled and we don't know it, it's going to be impossible to access joy and meaning in life because we're just, we're just not making enough space to figure out what that is for us. So if we do an exercise like the one that we talked about where we're, we take time for ourselves and we pause and we reflect and we ponder, okay, how am I spending my time? How, how is it impacting me? Is it filling me up? Is it draining me? Maybe we can make a second list if you're a visual person and you like writing things down because it could be helpful. It's a good way to process things. You know, what are the activities like fill me up? You know, so aside from how I'm actually spending my time, what's another list of things that give me a sense of purpose and joy? And um, and, and this is like another little thing that I like to do or I haven't done this myself in a long time, but I, I have done it, you know, in the past on a scale of one to ten. How important is this value to me? So this value, this thing that I've identified, like how much value does it give me? Ten being like this really, really fills me up, and a one would be just a touch, and on, and then a second um, list of numbers on a scale of one to ten, how present is it in my life? Again, not doing this in a judging kind of way where it's like, oh, great. Well, so this thing is a nine out of 10. You know, let's say, for example, um, spending time with friends, you know, is a nine. It really makes me feel happy and gives me a sense of purpose in my life. But I'm only, you know, I rarely see friends because I'm so busy. So that would be like a one, you know, it's only happening at a one in my life. It's not to judge ourselves. It's just to give ourselves information about the choices that we're making and how we're prioritizing our time. And then to gently see how we can shift that, how we can make choice, how we can make changes. You know, what can I what can I eliminate? What can I add? And, you know, back to what we were saying before about like that list, like the draining versus nurturing activities, we find interesting things, you know, like we use our time in many ways where we think it's actually nurturing and it's filling us up, but it's really not if we pause and reflect like something when I, I do this exercise for myself every so often, you know, just sort of take stock on how I'm spending my time. And, right. um, 
Like I just remember I did this, you know, a couple months ago and I realized like, you know, I started my day off with checking my phone in the morning, which seems like a relaxing activity, but actually like in reflection, that was quite draining. Like I, it wasn't, it wasn't a pleasant way to start my day, you know, so we can learn to make small shifts like that. That can really, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've done that too. And and I, honestly, I and I actually, actually spoke at a, a like a, a retreat recently about mm-hmm. that um, of trying to, you know, a digital yeah, detox. Really, you know, trying yeah. to find ways to not let our technology and our digital world take over mm-hmm. our lives. Especially someone like myself and like you who do have a, a, a an online presence and do feel like we need to be there for our community. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. but then also how do we take care of ourselves in the meantime? And that right. was one of the first things I mentioned is not being on the f- your phone the first thing in the morning and right. not being on the phone right before you go to bed, you know, having yeah. those boundaries um, just with that alone. I know for me changed the trajectory of my day. It changed mm-hmm. uh, just my overall, I guess, contentment. I'll just use that word, you know, just yeah. in my everyday, just that one little change alone changed a lot of things, <laughs> you know? So, totally. Um, and it's such a simple thing to do, but I think we're so, I'll speak for myself again, so yeah. dependent on, you know, those outside resources. And sometimes when I'm on mm-hmm. my phone and I'm scrolling, I do it to almost, um, I won't say self care, but uh, mm-hmm. sometimes when I just need, to just not really think about anything. (laughs) I scroll. Mm -hmm. uh, And then I realized, gosh, I wasted a lot of time doing this. I could have been reading a book Mm -hmm. or just doing some meditation. And there's obviously Mm -hmm. other choices to do. But sometimes I think we, we have looked to our phones um, during times of, let's say, boredom, or, um, you know, if something's stressful, like we can look at that of an escape, right? Like TV. Yeah. Um, yeah, at the same time, it's a catch 22 because it also can if we if we stumble across a post or an article that is triggering for us, that it can mm-hmm. also have the opposite effect. So mm-hmm. uh, totally <laughs> being no. mindful of what you're what accounts you're following and being mindful mm-hmm. of the articles mm-hmm. that you're reading. And if it's especially with everything that's been happening in the world lately, I mean, there's been a lot of tragedy in our, our country over the last couple of years, especially with the pandemic. And I, I can go on and on with all, all the things. Yeah. But um, I think sometimes we need that space and that could also not just be the online, mm-hmm. but also in, in, in real life, you know, who are mm-hmm. our closest friends? How are we spending our time? You know, if mm-hmm. how are we spending time with our children or our families? And like you said, really evaluating with that scaling exercise yeah. that you mentioned, brilliant of just identifying and being mindful of how we spend our time and how we want to spend our time. And if those align. Yeah, 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 exactly. And something with the phone, because I think it's really something that if, you know, we probably all can relate to, like, because the way and you know, if you've seen the the social dilemma documentary, like the way that a lot of these apps are developed is us hooked and keep us wanting more and more and more and scrolling even like, you know, that like every little reel and TikTok, they're so short. So they're so scrollable. And before you know it, you're on there for, for such a long period of time. So something I like to do, you know, from time to time to like, just create more intention around it is ask myself before I reach for my phone, like, what's my intention here? You know, not because I think sometimes it does serve a purpose. Sometimes we do really just need we had a long day and we just want to do something mindless. And, um, and it's that's fine. That's fine. There's no judgment with that, you know, but asking ourselves, what's my intention? Is this something I really want to be doing? You know, or is am I trying to avoid something by doing this? Um, like try to escape a, a feeling. So get a little more clear on what's driving it. And then actually something that I've been playing around with a little bit more is like resisting the urge. So noticing the urge to let's say check my phone or see if there have been any, any updates and just like no, letting myself sit with the urge and not necessarily act on that because I think there's something very powerful about flexing that muscle too. 
Yes, 100%. And I know I'm definitely guilty of that. There's been times I, I've reached for my phone and I'm thinking, I know I'm only, and I, I'm mindful of it because I, I, in my mm-hmm. head, I tell myself, I just checked my email five minutes ago. If there yeah. is anything yeah. new, I can wait another half hour. Or like, you know, right. I don't need to check my email every five minutes to see if there's an update on something. Even if I'm anxiously waiting for a reply mm-hmm. from someone for something. But, um, but there's been times I, pr- I know I've picked up my phone and I've even said in my head that, why am I doing this? I just checked it. There's probably yeah. not going to be anything yeah. new, but I think we have such, um, it's, it's like, it's like Vegas to me. Instagram yeah. is like Vegas, right? It's it open seven. There's always going to be new content, right? Totally. Um, and I mean, it's, if we look at, yeah, totally, totally. And I mean, I was just going to say like, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I was just say there's that addictive factor to it. Right? right. And, right. you know, and there's that instant gratification and, and it almost makes me feel sometimes um, when it is quiet, let's say everyone's asleep and mm-hmm. I'm by myself and it's my only quiet time of the day, really, you know, cause I don't cultivate enough of it in my own life, but mm-hmm. let's say, and you know, it's, it's almost like, you know, someone else is awake with you. You're not mm-hmm. alone. It makes us feel mm-hmm. like we're not alone. So we act out more on it, even if we, even if it's not the best choice, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, definitely. So how do we how do we maybe get unstuck? I know you talk about this in your book, but you know what? Why do do we let's say as mom moms women? How do we get stuck um, in these types of roles in this you know uh, hoopla of of life? And you know what makes us get stuck? And then what makes us maybe not take that change? I know we talk in you know in school. I know you'll you'll recognize this term, and I'm sure maybe a lot of people who are listening you know wouldn't. And we can explain it more. But you know that 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 idea of homeostasis. You know sometimes mm-hmm. we get so stuck in our our everyday lives, and we may not like it, but we're not really sure mm-hmm. how to change because change seems scary. It could be yeah. terrifying. And thinking, well, what if and this? So what do you suggest in your book for someone who feels stuck? Why do we get there and how how do we get out of it? Yeah, I think a lot of us get stuck because when we're busy raising kids and we have a lot of responsibility on our shoulders, we lose track of ourselves and reminding ourselves that we are our own independent, beautiful people outside of the relationships and responsibilities that we have. And I think that can lead to that autopilot and the stuckness and just sort of feeling like we, you know, that overwhelm. I just got to keep on, just keep on doing for others because we start with time, deprioritizing ourselves. So I think that can lead to the stuckness. And then to get to get unstuck, it's learning. Again, it's like it starts with the pause and the self-awareness. Am I doing this? And how can I reclaim myself and put back time in my schedule for myself? Uh, prioritize that. So taking some time every day is so, so, so important. We talk about self-care a lot. You know, that's all over social media and it's so important. And self-care can mean so many different things. It can mean just taking care of yourself and nurturing yourself. Um, and it also means getting like the things we were talking about earlier today, getting back in touch with your values and the things that light you up and fill you with passion and purpose and making sure that you're you're including that in your life. Um, and I think that I think a lot of I mean, I think the the feeling of stuck is is such an interesting one because I think it's especially like coming out of the pandemic and it's something that I think a lot of people I hear about a lot in my clinical work. And um I think we forget that feeling stuck is different than being stuck. You know, I think sometimes when we're like feeling stuck, we're just we like okay, I'm stuck. Like there's nothing I can do because I think a lot of times being feeling stuck is also feeling overwhelmed and it comes along with other feelings and we sort of feel immobilized and like there's nothing we can do about it. So I think it's reminding ourselves that we're not actually stuck. 
there's always things that we can do, you know, like there's always things that we can do to figure out a situation, even if it's not ideal. It's a feeling like any other feeling. And there's something, you know, so we can process the feeling and we can make plans for movement. And I think sometimes we overwhelm ourselves with like, okay, well, but the movement feels too big and too overwhelming. And and breaking it down into small actionable steps can be really helpful too. So what's the very next thing I like I need to do? You know, I like that question a lot. You know, so if we're feeling stuck or feeling overwhelmed, we're like, okay, I need I this isn't a great way to live and I don't like this feeling. Pausing and maybe this is another journal, you know, journal prompt. What's the very next thing I need to do right now? You know, that would that would take me in that direction towards more purpose and fulfillment. Do I need to, you know, do one of those things on my value list? Do I need to take care of myself, take a little nap or eat something or make sure I'm drinking my water. You know, so they all go hand in hand. How we're taking care of ourselves, I think really impacts um, impacts that feeling of stuckness and the energy that we have to be able to pursue other, you know, the things that fill us up. I like that a lot. And I, I suggest that to my clients as well when they mm-hmm. feel so overwhelmed of, well, what do I do next? What's, yeah. you know, what's the next step? Because then if you put too many goals on your plate, yeah. And something doesn't work, then you feel like a failure or you feel right. like I can't do this because it's too hard. And then you give up on your entire list versus, like right. you said, just picking one. Like, for instance, I'm going to get an hour more of sleep at night. And I don't like, you know, saying I'm going to get eight hours because it may not happen that way. But just saying, you know, let's say on average you get about six or seven hours of sleep and you might mm-hmm. say to yourself, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm going to go bed. I'm going to go to bed 30 minutes earlier tonight or an hour mm-hmm. earlier tonight than I normally mm-hmm. do. And if you don't fall asleep right away, but just laying your head on the pillow and getting that extra rest that your yeah. body might need, or I'm going to drink more water today, but not yeah. putting a number on it. Like I'm going to drink 32 ounces because that never works for me, you know, because then right. you feel this pressure, totally. you know, it's 8 p.m. and you yeah. only drink 16 ounces and you want to you know, chug it before bed, but, you know, mm-hmm. just saying, I'm going to drink a little more water than today, more than I did yesterday. And then, you mm-hmm. know, you just start with those little micro goals. And then once you start succeeding at those, your confidence builds and you feel like, oh, I can do this. I can yeah. cultivate change. And then you can start, you know, take one at a time and then add more. Once that becomes a routine, then add the next thing on your list. Right. I mean, do you suggest yeah. that as well? Oh, absolutely. And I have a chapter on that in my book as well. Goal setting and the best way of goal setting and some science behind goal setting and everything you said, you know, is science backed, you know, it's choosing small goals and noticing the successes and not, you know, there's like a, there's a what the hell effect that someone was talking about on a different podcast, but it's, you know, we don't do one part of our goal and then we're just like, okay, well, whatever. I'll just give up on the whole thing because it feels like the whole thing is lost. And it's not doing that, reminding ourselves that it's okay to not fill on one thing and it doesn't have to take us completely off our course and it shouldn't. Um, and I, I know I will say like I think a big part of staying true to ourselves and being able to accomplish things for ourselves, I think it's important to in, in the ways that we can and not overwhelm ourselves, but to really create routine routines that help us get going. So for me, I know like when I take out some time in the morning to move my body, you know, with whatever kind of movement I do, with whatever kind of exercise, if it's a walk or a run or a bike, um, I, I just set myself up for a much better day. And if I meditate for 10 minutes after that, you know, like the day is even that much better. So we can't do it every day and we don't want to, you know, like throw it all out if we don't do it one or two days. But it's just knowing the things that anchor you and making a point of keeping on coming back to them. Yes. And I, you know, and it's funny you mentioned that I'm laughing because, you know, realistically, even as a, as a, as a therapist, right, mm-hmm. I know that there's certain things that will set me up for better days, but then yeah. sometimes yeah. 
I just can't get myself to do it. Even though I'm, yeah. my mind is telling me, just go outside and take a quick walk. You'll feel better. But then my other part, of, the other part of my mind is saying, you have too much on your plate. You don't have time for a walk today, you know, and yeah. you can maybe yeah. squeeze it in later. But like you said, it all comes back down to the priorities. You know, if I want to have a more mindful day or a less stressful day, I know taking a walk in the morning, having morning meditation, like really starting your day off as best as you can will set yeah. the day up for, for better success. And even though I know that sometimes my brain comes in and says, mm -hmm. but you don't have time for that today. You don't have time to go to the gym or this or that, even though I know mm -hmm. it's going to be better for me. For um, sure. and I don't know how to turn that off because then that side usually wins out. And then I end up not exercising for the day and end up being more stressed. And right. it's, right. it's, a, it's a bad cycle. I know. And I, and I think we can all relate to that too, you know, and sometimes I laugh at myself. So, and again, not in a, not, not in a judging way, but when I have the not enough, not enough time excuse, you know, like, so for example, I have a busy morning and I want you know, I try and meditate for 10 minutes before I get my day going. And my mind is like, but I need to do this. And I, this child needs this thing. And then I like laugh at myself and I think, and I say, really, but I just scrolled on Instagram for like 15 minutes. So I, I can't meditate <laughs> right. for 10 minutes. More. So I think we really need to get curious about the I don't, not enough time excuse, because I think a lot of times there's more to it than not enough time. And how are we spending our time? You know, so are we really prioritizing the things that make us feel good? And do I not really have enough time to move my body and exercise? Or is that just really, you know, I don't feel like it. I'd rather just like sit, you know, and drink a coffee, which is fine sometimes too, you know, but I think we want to not take those thoughts for granted. Yeah, those excuses really creep in. I have a million of them. <laughs> and I know I know you talk about it in your book, but any other uh -huh. any other advice on that of, of just what to do with those um, I know you know we we could try thought stopping, you know, when those thoughts come in the head doesn't mean we have to listen to them, right? Just because it's in, yeah. it's in our head, we can, you know, tell our thoughts to stop yeah. and, and shift, but um, what what do we do with those excuses when that little voice tells us all the reasons why change isn't possible, why, you know, we can't be happy with our bodies and our lives and our, you know, everything else? Um, what do we do with those excuses? What is a good way to 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 just shut them down? Yeah, I yeah. think for, for starters, it's noting them. So sometimes when we just note our thoughts, like, oh, that's an excuse. We just label it. You know, I like to think of it as like putting a sticky note on it. Oh, there's an excuse. You know, it helps us take it less seriously. So when we have the thought, we're like, really think, we really think we're considering something like, but yeah, but I don't know if I should exercise because of this and that. And I don't know if I should, you know, da da da. Oh, that's an excuse. Like, so it's just, again, it's a self-awareness of what kind of thought we're having could create an automatic distance between ourselves and our thoughts. Um, so I like to do that. And I think it's just, um, I think it's just noting it and let, letting, setting it aside and trying to stay connected to the things that make you feel filled up. I like that. And that that's, again, very practical. Um, I live by post-it notes and, and to-do <laughs> lists and, you know, writing things down. So I love all of the suggestions that you have about, you know, journaling and, you know, scaling and, and you know, making these almost like, you know, uh, these post-it notes of, of our excuses and our thoughts and see like what is actually holding us back, what is actually getting us stuck, and then yeah. you know, moving past it and knowing that we're strong enough uh, and brave enough, you know, as you talk about in your book, but strong enough and brave enough to actually accomplish it and, and cultivate right. that change in our lives. Cause we do right. have it in us. It's just finding oh, the right sure. tools and the right passion. So absolutely. I was just gonna say on that note that I meant to say this before, but it slipped my mind. You know, I think in getting us motivated too, it's important to think about, it's called intrinsic motivation. So when we remind, remind ourselves of what's in this for me, this hard choice that I'm about to make, and we visualize or imagine how we'll feel once we get it done, 
that can really act as a big motivator in getting us to show up and deal with those excuses. You know, so if I think to myself like, oh, it's early and I'd really rather just stay in my bed and not get up and go for a run right now. And then I remind myself of how good, like I imagine myself being done with that run and the endorphins that I'll probably be feeling and how good I'll be feeling. It's more likely that I'll get up and do it. That is true. I like that. I love that visualization. I think that mm-hmm. would, that's going to help me. I know <laughs> um, I know it's going to help all, you know, the listeners out there, but that's going to help me personally. So I know one more thing, I know we're almost out of time, but one more thing I wanted to ask about, because I feel like I see this a lot in the client, some of the clients that I have, some of the moms I talk to is finding acceptance with where we are in life, uh, especially yeah. as we get older and we're quote unquote stuck in our ways or mm-hmm. stuck in our lifestyle. And I know there's a lot of talk about regrets, um, you know, Mm -hmm. past regrets of, oh, well, I should have maybe, you know, maybe even married a a different spouse, or Mm -hmm. maybe it's, um, I should have chose a different career, or am I even happy in this type of career, or I'm not happy with where we live or how we, you know, spent our finances, and now we're stuck in debt, or whatever the case is, there's a lot of stress and anxiety, Mm -hmm and maybe even depression around where they are in their lives and accepting where they are in their lives and having so many past regrets. Do you have any advice on how to get past that stuckness? Yeah. And that, I mean, regret is, can be such a painful thing, you know, and it's something that so many of us deal with in small ways and big ways. And I would just say, I think a lot of times when we have hard feelings come up for us and regret is like really loaded and hard, the tendency is to not want to think about it and just get ourselves busy and busy ourselves away from it. And I think if we, this is where mindfulness comes in, if we can take an honest look at it, the regret and the feelings that are behind it and really meet ourselves in those feelings in a really compassionate way and a really self-compassionate way, like, yeah, this is hard and the sadness is hard and it's real and it's okay. And it means that I'm human, you know, so we learn to meet those feelings and process them with a lot of compassion we're in a, we're already in a better place than like just having the regret linger in the background and not really be paying attention to it, but have it be eating away at us. And I think that, you know, depending on what kind of regret you're holding, there are things that we can do to, to help ourselves with regret, you know? So if I know something that I talk a lot about on my Instagram page and um, I'm interested in because I've, I've done a lot of my own work on this is inner child healing. And it's very common, you know, if you've had a difficult childhood to come to adulthood with regret over things that you didn't experience as a child or didn't happen for you as a child. Um, we can, in some ways, learn to give ourselves things that we didn't get as children. And so that, you know, so let's say, or it could even apply to like, you know, out of inner child healing, but as an adult, or I regret that I didn't do this thing, or I didn't travel more in my 20s, or, you know, we can, we can give ourselves those things at whatever stage of life we're in, if we get creative. Hmm, I like that. And it doesn't have to define us, right? I said that no. the other day to someone how most of my friends, you know, traveled abroad in college or even in their yeah. 20s before mm-hmm. they got married, before they, mm-hmm. you know, had kids. And mm-hmm. and now they regret, you know, not doing more of that because now they're in a place yeah. where they either can't afford it or they're too busy with work yeah. or you know, whatever, like, yeah. they're raising little ones and it's just, you know, different, different. And, you know, I, I said it, but it didn't, I didn't give it as much value, I guess, as I, as mm-hmm. I could have. I didn't dwell mm-hmm. on it. I just said it as more of a matter of fact, like, yeah, I regret not doing more of that in college or, you know, whatever the case Mm -hmm. is. And then I didn't give it any more power or value than just the statement alone. And that's Mm -hmm. what's helped me to, to deal with some of those things, you know, of just kind of coming to terms with it and kind of finding that self-acceptance of, yes, this happened. I'm, you know, I wish it would may have been differently, but 
it yeah. is what it is and I need to move forward now, right? Yeah, uh, that's so powerful. That's so not not identifying, not over identifying with it and honoring it in the ways that we can honor it, you know? So maybe travel, you know, now with children and on a budget is not the same as it would have been, you know, when there was more money or no kids, but there's ways of honoring that too. Maybe it's going on like an adventure where you'd like a daytime adventure and you're, you know, honoring the sense of adventure or whatever travel gave to you and finding ways of honoring that in your life today. Because I think we can do that. Exactly. Exactly. Which leads yeah. me to my last question. Uh, and I know you, th- you talk about this in your book and I hope everyone out there, I mean, I, I hope we, you know, um, have shared enough about your book that I hope, you know, everyone checks it out because I, I really think there's so much value um, to mm-hmm. what, you, what you've said in your book. But uh, my last question is, how do we find self-love and self-acceptance in our lives? Yeah. And that, I, I read a lot about that in my book and it's such a big question. And I, I think it's a combination of really a lot of the things that we've talked about today. So it's going back in our histories and understanding if we're dealing with you know unworthiness or feeling lack of self love, where does that come from, and what needs healing? You know, who needs healing? You know, is there a younger version of me? A lot of us have younger versions of ourselves that are still piping up every now and then and making us feel unlovable because we developed those scripts when we were younger. So who's here and what do they need and how can I how can I help them what do they need to hear from me what are, what do they need to tell me so it's going back in time and then I think it's and it's, it's moving ourselves into the present you know where we have much of our control you know from today and forward how am I going to live my life you know how am I going to live my life in a way that affirms my self-worth and who am I surrounding myself with and how am I showing up in the world in terms of my assertiveness and my boundaries I mean this is like a whole we can we can talk about this for a long time but um, of course. I think it's really two sides of that coin. It's the healing and then it's how am I living? Yes, I love that. Well, tell us now where we can find you. I know you have an Instagram. Share with that, your website, mm-hmm. and where we can find your book. Oh, yeah, sure. So I am on Instagram. I post um, daily mental health tidbits and ideas. <laughs> um, and my Instagram handle is at Dr. Leah Katz. And my website is drleahkatz.com. And my book, I think you mentioned the beginning, but it's Gutsy Mindfulness Practices for Everyday Bravery, and it's being sold wherever books are sold. I love that. Well, congratulations on your book. Uh, I think it's just incredible. Um, thank you for sharing your expertise with us today. Um, I'm, I feel so empowered by just what you've written in the book and what you've shared today on the show. Mm-hmm. I just feel so empowered. And I really hope that uh, others who are listening get that same feeling because I feel like we can con- take control of our lives. We can find that self, self-love self and that self-acceptance. And you gave us such practical ways to start and mm-hmm. how to, to, to go towards that. So I, I appreciate all of that. And and I know it's going to help so many people out there. And um, I just, I, I'm, I'm glad we could share that today. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us today. I can't wait to have you back for more. Make sure to subscribe to the Parentologist podcast so you don't miss an episode. And make sure to tell your friends. This podcast is not intended to be a replacement for therapy. If you or someone you know is in crisis, please call 911.